Chapter Twenty Three of Quit Your Worrying by George Wharton James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. How our worry affects others. If worry affected merely ourselves, it would be bad enough, but we could tolerate it more than we do. For it is one of the infernal characteristics of worry that our manifestation of it invariably affects others as injuriously as it affects ourselves. An employer who worries his employees never gets the good work out of them as does the one who has sense enough to keep them happy, good-natured and contented. I was lecturing once for a large corporation. I had two colleagues who spelled me every hour. For much of the time we had no place to rest, work or play between our lectures. Our engagement lasted the better part of a year, and the result was that, during that period where our reasonable needs were unprovided for, we all failed to give as good work as we were capable of. We were unnecessarily worried by inadequate provision, and our employers suffered. Henry Ford and men of his type have learned this lesson. Men respond rapidly to those who do not worry them. Governor Hunt and Warden Sims of Arizona have learned the same fact in dealing with prisoners of the state penitentiary. The less the men are worried by unnecessarily harsh treatment, absurd and cruel restrictions, curtailment of natural rights, the better they act, the easier they are liable to reform and make good. Dr. Musgrove, in his Nervous Breakdowns, tells a story of two commanders which well illustrates this point. Quote, in a certain war, two companies of men had to march an equal distance in order to meet at a particular spot. The one arrived in perfect order and with few signs of exhaustion, although this march had been an arduous one. The other company reached the place utterly done up and disorganised. It was all a question of leadership. The captain of the first company had known his way and kept his men in good order, while the captain of the second company had never been sure of himself and had harassed his subordinates with a constant succession of orders and counter-orders until they had hardly known whether they were on their heads or their heels. That was why they arrived completely demoralised. In war, as in peace, it is not work that kills so much as worry. A general may make his soldiers work to the point of exhaustion, as Napoleon often did, yet have their almost adoring worship. But the general who worries his men gets neither their good will nor good work. A worrying mother can keep a whole house in a turmoil, from father down to the latest baby. The growing boys and girls soon learn to dread the name of home and would rather be in school, in the backyard playing, in the attic, at the neighbours, or in the streets, anywhere, than within the sound of their mother's worrying voice or frowning countenance. A worrying husband can drive his wife distracted and vice versa. I was dining not long ago with a couple that, from outward appearance, had everything that heart could desire to make them happy. They were young, healthy, had a good income, were both engaged in work they liked. Yet the husband worried the wife constantly about trifles. 
if she wished to set the table in a particular way, he worried because she didn't do it some other way. If she drove one of their autos, he worried because she didn't take the other. And when she wore a spring-day flowery kind of a hat, he worried because his mother never wore any other than a black hat. The poor woman was distracted by the absolute absurdities, frivolities and inconsequentialities of his worries. Yet he didn't seem to have sense to see what he was doing. So I gave him a plain practical talk, as I had been drawn into a discussion of the matter without any volition on my part and urged him to quit irritating his wife so foolishly and so unnecessarily. Some teachers worry their pupils until the latter fail to do the work they are competent to do, and the want of success of many an ambitious teacher can often be attributed to his, her, worrying disposition. Remember, therefore, that when you worry, you are making others unhappy as well as yourself. You are putting a damper a blight upon other lives as well as your own you are destroying the efficiency of other workers as well as your own you are robbing others of the joy of life which god intended them freely to possess so that for the sake of others as well as your own it becomes an imperative duty that you quit your worrying end of chapter twenty three